Real quick, um, so some people ask me questions out there, and I just want to explain some of the stuff that's out on the table. And I'm going to be here tomorrow, too. And I'm going to be here tomorrow specifically talking to parents about how to establish relationships with your kids that help protect them um, from these temptations or from what we call the grooming process. And the presentation is called Ungroomable. Um, and it's brand new, uh, but it's just about how so much of the grooming process um, depends on a, a child, male or female, and how they perceive their worth and how they perceive their relationships at home and how we as Christians really should have um, homes that prevent that kind of thing. Um, our girls should not be the ones that creeps can pull up behind and say, I can, I can get her. Our boys should not be um, people that can be taken advantage of. Like we, and how can we build homes that protect that? So that's tomorrow. Um, out on the table... And, and please understand that this is not, I do not, I'm a horrible salesperson, like the worst person ever, okay, at, at selling stuff. My book is out on the table. There are also two or three other things. And really important, I know I missed like the whole, like, it was not someone who was like, was it really that easy? Like you just picked a new stronghold? No, it was, it was an intensive process. It was hard when you rely on something for your strength it's like burning down your own house right i mean when you tear down a stronghold it's like going back to this place where you have memories where you have connections where you have comfort where you have enjoyment it's not like i hated pornography okay it i watched it because it made me feel good and now you're telling me i can't have it anymore that was a struggle and it was like burning down your childhood home so it's not like it was so easy, like, oh, I just decided to move somewhere else. It wasn't that easy. Um, so one of the tools that I recommend is having some kind of accountability in that whole process. And one of the groups that I work with them, I write for them, um, it's called Covenant Eyes, and it is an accountability filter. And I don't know how many people in here have heard of it, how many people use it, but it can be used... You get it, and you can use it on multiple devices across multiple members of your family, iPads, the whole thing. And you can choose to have it filter, or you can choose to have it track. And it's customizable by a child's a user's age. Um, so, and, and one thing we didn't really talk about is that this, this carries into a marriage too, right? Like there's purity in marriage as well. Um, so you can customize it by, like, if you have five-year-olds and you don't want them going on to Cosmo.com, you, know, you can customize it so that they can't. If you want to know if your teenager is getting on Cosmo.com, you can customize it so that it tells you and it mails you a report that says, you know, Susie, and I'm sorry if there's a Susie in here, Susie visited Cosmo.com. She searched for this. Is there a Susie? You? <laughs> Hi, Susie. How's it going? <laughs> I try, to, I try to pick names that you just never know. Um, not this Susie, a different Susie. Um, you know, she went on to Cosmo. She searched for these terms. And it's more than just stopping it. It's more about starting the conversation and talking with them about, um, about what's going on. One of the things I tell parents is if you find out your kids are watching porn, do not freak out. I know that's the, the initial reaction is, oh, my goodness, you need to understand what is going on with them, either that led them there or 
how it's making them feel when they are there. Like you need to, those are hard conversations, but we need to be willing to have those. And having something like this encourages that kind of relationship with them that is willing to tackle those conversations and willing to talk to your teenage daughters about, you know, maybe Cosmo isn't the best website for you to be on. Let's find a different one that still speaks to your age group. Different things like that. Um, also on the table is this sign-up sheet. I was supposed to have another book here called Love Done Right, and it was all about kind of walking, like that restructuring of that stronghold, right? And it was um, supposed to be here, and it's not. So you can sign up, and it'll put you on the blog, but it also will notify you when the book is ready. So that's all out there. With the Covenant Eyes, there's a code on here that you can use to try it for 30 days. That's, I'm not going to push it on you. Okay, it's not. We're done. We're, talk, we're done talking about it. Um, so accountability is huge. If you are a woman um, in this church and you like are on staff, or any of you on staff or in leadership, no? Okay, cool. <laughs> but if someone comes to you asking for accountability, real quick, we'll touch on this. Um, I think sometimes we think accountability, there's two different kinds of accountability the way I see it. There's an active and a passive. Active accountability is intentional. It is super intentional. It is one-on-one, in your face, every week. We're meeting up. We're talking about it. I'm asking you hard questions. You are going to give me the right answer. I'm asking you, even if you told me no last time, we are, we are moving forward. We are being intentional. So helpful. I went through two years of that, um, where we went through Bible studies, and they were asking me those tough questions. And I was having to answer, uh, honestly. I mean, obviously, you can lie. Lying doesn't help you, but you can lie. And then there's passive, which I, you kind of, you can transition into that or you can stay active. It just depends on, on who you are. So I have passive accountability now, which means that I have a friend, Abby, who knows about my struggle, has known about my struggle for a very long time. We actually met my first year of Bible college when I was getting freedom from this. And Abby is somebody that I can be completely honest with. And when I am in a situation where I was speaking once, this always happens. I was speaking once and I could, it was a huge conference. It was the conference actually that led to this one where your pastors were there. One of your pastors was there. Two of them were there. I don't even know. But it's the conference that ended up bringing me out here. But I was speaking there. No, sorry, it was at the conference before that. <laughs> They're all blending together. But I spoke at night, and then I had to stay the night in the hotel, and I had to speak again the next morning. And that night in the hotel, I was beside a couple who were very loud um, in bed together. Woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had no... You know how you wake up, and you've heard something, and you're like... And you're in a hotel, so you wake up, and you're like, hey, Stop. Where am I? <laughs> what am I doing here? And what on earth am I hearing right now? Because I, I don't, I'm disoriented. It's one o'clock in the morning. I was trying to sleep and something has just woken me up. And it took me about 10 seconds to realize that I was hearing the couple in the next room over having sex. And it was like, I don't know what the rules are in this situation. Like, do I throw something at the wall? Like, what am I supposed to do? You turn on the TV? Like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I am like, now I always bring earplugs, right? But um, I really, I, I was more aggravated that I couldn't get back to sleep because they were being so loud and that was frustrating me. And it was like so loud that I didn't even feel like going out in the hallway was going to help. Like, 
And I'm just, you're in a hotel. Like, <laughs> there are other people here. Um, and I eventually got back to sleep, but I woke up the next morning completely tempted. And you know it's an attack because I have to speak on this topic in 20 minutes. And Abby is the kind of person I can text and say, Abby, the couple next door was having sex. And I heard them. And I, I don't know. And Abby's the kind of person that she texts me back and she's like, I'm so sorry. She's married. I'm so sorry. Some people don't know, you know, and she kind of makes, she kind of helps me come out of that like freak out stage. And I'm, she's somebody that I can go to and say, pray for me right now because I don't get tempted every day, right? It's things like that that make it happen. So I don't need active accountability stops being helpful when it reminds you of, of what you've done wrong. Um, so Abby is it's more of a passive accountability partner. So anyway, that's, that's a community thing that I encourage um, to have some kind of person that you can go to for help. And even if it's just, just you just do life together. Um, I was talking with a different group and they said, you know, we, our discipleship is like going to the store and hanging out together. We go shopping together. We just do life together. And if this kind of stuff comes up, we talk about it. And so just want to encourage that. So, um, yeah, I think I have a few here questions that we'll go through. And um, just just stand up when we're done, because I'm just going to go. <laughs> so, oh, this is a great one. Not like one of them is better than the other. Sorry, I just, <laughs> this one's the best. <laughs> um, what are some practical steps to taking thoughts captive? I love this one. So the idea of taking thoughts captive, I, I liken it to a house, right? You're at your house, and your house has been broken into once, okay? And you kicked them out. Great. You have an option for how you live your life now. You can get a gun. Yeah, Texas. Get a gun. Stand in the doorway and say, you are never coming in here again. And you spend your whole life protecting that doorway that they got in. And what you can do is you can kind of negatively counteract yourself. Because I tell people, if I sit here and I tell you all about a story of a fluffy white kitten and how evil the fluffy white kitten is, and how it's a horrible fluffy white kitten. What are you thinking of the whole time I'm talking? A fluffy white kitten. And it doesn't matter that it's an evil little fluffy white kitten. It doesn't matter that it peed on your clothes. It doesn't matter that it hacked up a hairball on your pillow. Nothing matters. All you see is a fluffy white kitten. And sometimes we get so caught up in, I'm not going to watch pornography, I'm not going to watch pornography, I'm not going to lust, I'm not going to fantasize that we just like, we think about it all the time by thinking about not thinking about it all the time. And instead of making forward progress, we get so obsessed about not thinking about this that we just don't go anywhere, right? We don't grow, we don't change. So taking thoughts captive is more like being in my house and living my life like a normal person, understanding that these things can break in and I'm not going to let them break in and ignore them. And that's what we can do. We either stand in the door and spend our lives not doing this and are no good anywhere else. Or we, they bust in and we're like, nah, you know, I'll entertain that for a bit. Or sure. You can have a TV. Like we just, we let them run off with whatever they, we want them to, but taking thoughts captive is more like this person busts into your house you drop what you are doing, 
you turn around and you grab them and you drag them to Jesus. Okay, that's what taking thoughts captive is. So it is these moments when I'm closing my eyes to pray, praying about something else, video pops up, I can choose to whoo, and try to go on with my life. Like, whoop, that was weird. And I can, I can go or I can stop in that moment and I can say, God, this video is playing in my mind right now. And I know it's wrong. I need you to take it. And you better believe he will, right? Because he's all about, he renews our minds. That's a, that's a thing in scripture. Like we're, It's the renewing of our minds. And so sometimes we just have to, unfortunately, sometimes like those things just kind of bubble up to the surface. And you might go looking for them, like I'm going to try to eradicate all of these bad thoughts. But sometimes they just pop up. It's memories, right? You know, you go to grandma's house and, or you smell something that smells like grandma's house and all of a sudden you think you're reminded of grandma's house. Um, and so things like that can happen. That was a huge one for me coming out of, coming out of this with triggers in college when I was at my worst and was sending pictures to a guy. This is going to sound so strange to those of you that haven't been in this situation. There was a lotion that I just used, like a lotion, right? It wasn't that kind of lotion, like a lotion on my hands. <laughs> and it just, it was a lotion I had in college. I was a poor college student. It was this giant jug of like Sam's Club lotion that my mom sent me off with because she figured I could make the entire semester with this giant jug of Sam's Club lotion with a very distinct scent. Obviously, because it's a giant jug, I still had it multiple years later. Every time I used that lotion, it's like it transported me back to that time in college. And so I had to start doing, it was like I was getting rid of really weird things in my life. Like I was getting rid of strange stuff. And people were like, why don't you have headphones? Because I, I can't have headphones. Because when I have headphones, it makes things harder. It makes things happen. It makes me feel like, oh, I can plug in these and nobody will hear anything. So if I get rid of them, then that, that thought never happens, right? That thought's gone. There's no more excuse. And so the lotion thing, I just threw out a half jug of lotion because it wasn't worth it to me to struggle so much. So there's part of us taking thoughts captive is, is finding, kind of, I call them triggers that, that cause those thoughts to happen. Because um, it is a thought process. You know, you don't just like wake up and like poof, pornography. Like there's a process that leads to it. And how do you stop that mid-process? But more than that, how do you just stop that process from even starting? And if it's headphones and laptop combination that's not good for you, then get rid of the headphones or the laptop. Um, if it's a lotion, if it's other things that I won't go into because we don't need to go there. But if, if there's something that's like, in that middle of that struggle when I'm like, oh, I really can do this. What am I thinking that says, oh, that makes it easier? Whatever that thing that I'm saying, that makes it easier. It needs to leave. Um, if, it's, if it's the headphones, if it's having a, a cell phone with internet, if it's having in private browsing, which I hate that it exists. Um, whatever that is, it needs to, to leave. So that's, I hope that answers that, like that idea of, taking thoughts captive really is just like it's an internal thing it's very much a all right god you need to speak into this thought that i'm having right now and, and not ignoring it not being like well it's okay because that's how you build up strongholds remember it's just when you ignore them you stop fighting them 
Um, you want to make sure that, and it's hard because sometimes you're like, I'm spending my whole day just telling you how horrible my brain is, God. <laughs> like, spend all day just, okay, I'm thinking this thought. Okay, I'm thinking this one. And another good thing, too, is to also replace it with truth, right? So it's not just like, this is what we can do. I talk about sex like it's traveling, okay? Um, this is how I do my abstinence talks. Sex is not, we can get into the, into the idea that um, the best way to promote abstinence is to make sex out to be this horrible, bad thing. Right? It's evil, it's bad, it's horrible. And we were talking about it at dinner. I have so many friends from the, who grew up in the True Love Waits generation where unfortunately there were a lot of groups that did promote this idea of sex being this ugly, sinful, bad thing when it's not. And these poor women are married now and they can't even be intimate with their husbands because their bodies are reacting to their own husbands. I have a friend who, she's been married for six years. People are asking her when she's going to have kids and she's like, I would love to just be able to have sex with my husband. Like, we're not even there yet because her body has been so conditioned and so trained um, that, it's, that it's bad. And we need to replace it with things that are good. So I tell people, it's not... Let's say I wanted to travel. It is good to want to travel. It's, it's fun, right? It's not evil. It's not anything bad. If you run away, then there's, you know, that was bad. Um, but traveling isn't bad. But there's a good time and there's a good place to travel. And you can travel in a way that enriches your life and maintains your retirement account. Or you can travel in a way that, you know, strands you halfway across the world and makes you lose your job. Like, <laughs> there are different ways to travel. And so, when I'm talking about sex, it's not like I don't have sex because I think it's bad, horrible, ugly, and wrong. It's just not time. And, and having that ability, like, there's truth there. It's just not time yet. It's, I'm sure it's great. Obviously, it's greater. We wouldn't even be having these kinds of conversations. So, obviously, it's not the hor- most horrible thing ever. But just replacing things with truth. Um, God, this is something that you designed, and I want to do it in a way that honors and glorifies you. And I know that pornography isn't that. I know that lusting after this boy in my class isn't that. I know that imagining sleeping with this man who I'm not even dating or who I'm not, it doesn't matter if I'm dating, sleeping, imagining that myself sleeping with him is not honoring to him. It's not honoring to you. Just learning to kind of speak truth into those areas as well. Um, oh, <clears throat> okay. Tendency to get so this, I know what this question is asking, so I'll rephrase it. But the question says, tendency to get more and more taboo. Is that true for females? So you'll hear this in conversations about pornography that you start soft, or guys um, will talk about starting soft, and then like it gets worse and worse and worse, darker and darker. And before they know it, they're watching stuff that would have made them puke when they first saw it. No little boy starts off watching like rape porn. Okay. They, they don't. They know that there's something inherently wrong with that. Um, but teenage boys can, you know, even like preteen boys can get to that place. So can girls. Um, yes, it is very true that um, it escalates as well. And what this is, it is a, um, sorry, it's an addictive process, right? So the addictive process is that you need more and more and more to achieve the same, um, same high, Right. So you kind of become numb. It's kind of like painkillers, just you know, or, or uh, like antibiotics or things like that, where your body's used to this amount, and you're trying to get it to like spike up so you feel better. So you kind of have to up the ante a little bit. So that is not a, a male or female problem. That is just like how our brains are wired, right? So women, think about women. 
I have friends who have done studies, and I'll have to pull up the data, but they thought that women watched soft corn red romance novels and erotica, and boys watched videos. That's just, that's the script, right? Girls struggle with Amish romance novels, and boys struggle with hardcore porn, right? So, so they did a study to figure out if this was true, and they pulled, I want to say, a couple thousand young women, and they found out that it was not an either or, it was an and. That girls struggle with a broader range of pornography than boys. Guys don't read Amish romance novels. I mean, maybe some guys do, but typically they don't, right? They don't watch chick flicks. <laughs> they don't like to identify as with us in any way. But girls can struggle along the whole range. And you might have girls who struggle with soft core pornography, which is more... It's super suggestive pictures. And so when you talk about softcore, you don't actually, I'm trying not to be graphic, you don't actually see the sex. Right? It's, it's very much, R-rated movies, it's very much implied, but you don't actually see it happening. A um, lot more emphasis on romance and softcore pornography, a lot more emphasis on the love and relationship aspect. And so it's actually designed for women, but they can, they can stay there or they can kind of cross over into other stuff. And so you'll have women who are watching like the Fifty Shades of Grey kind of pornography, which is bondage and practically rape pornography. Um, so yes, you will find this, this tendency to get more and more taboo, and it's just, it's just the addictive process. It's just the, this isn't doing it for me anymore, so now I'm going to work on desensitizing myself to the next level up. So what they'll kind of do is um, click on the next video... And maybe it's a little strong, but they kind of, it's kind of like horror movies, and you're kind of watching, and they slowly desensitize themselves to that. And then when that doesn't work, they just keep moving up. Um, some women, they have a hard time making that jump from like the soft core to the hardcore. Some women don't ever start in soft core. I did not start in soft core. I never, I don't care about romance novels. I hate chick flicks. So, <laughs> like, it's just not my thing. I'm not Christian Barbie, right? So, I. Okay, <laughs> how many of you know the Myers-Briggs personality profile? Yes! Um, I am an INTJ, which is like, yeah? Yeah. Um, it's about as common as a serial killer, right? I think it's actually less common. <laughs> and we, I, one of the actual things that's like on the list is that I'm horrible with like small talk. Like, I, I just hate it. Like, if you want to ask me out on a date, just say will you go out on a date with me? Like, stop, whatever this flirting thing is. Like, I don't know how to do this right. Like, <laughs> hashtag why I'm still single. Like, <laughs> guys, every guy that has dated me, I've been, I've been in two serious relationships and a couple guys, you know, we've gone on a couple dates. Um, and then there's some guys that are like, I would have dated you, but, which is always a, a lovely conversation to have. <laughs> Who has that? Who does that? And basically, like, the overall thing was, you're a little terrifying. Like, that was the, that is their reason for not wanting to be in a relationship. You're a little scary. But that's just because, I, I don't know. I, like, I just, I think through everything, and I'm just very analytical, and I think that romance is, not that I don't love to be loved, but it's just, like, all this flirting stuff is completely pointless. Like, that's just my personality. So it's not like I'm judging people. Like, that's just how I am. But... Anyway, women can start anywhere along that spectrum, and they can move up it, definitely. Um, and it's very true. You will find girls who started with 
romance novels, and then they've escalated up to um, really hardcore, twisted stuff. I was that way. I didn't start in romance novels, but I started in very mild, plain vanilla, hardcore, and then by the time I was in college was in stuff that was not quite illegal, but um, almost there. What is, okay, This I promised someone I'd answer this. What is the connection between viewing and masturbation? Great question. So masturbation is such a, this is such a tough topic because there is no verse in the Bible. And I would love for there to be a verse in the Bible because I can just read it to you and we'd be done. Uh, great. And then you have a, an entire category of women who, I mean, okay, so you moms in here might have, have known this, but like, Little girls can masturbate. Like, you will find four- and five-year-olds, they have no idea what they're doing. Like, it, it's like twirling their hair. It's like sucking their thumb. Like, they don't know. Okay, I will have parents write me freaking out because their daughters are, are humping pillows. I have a friend who's a nurse, and she says parents will bring their kids in, their daughters in, thinking they're having seizures, and it's really just because their, their diaper has rubbed them the wrong way. Like, like... And then there are adult women who have conditions that kind of almost mandate that they have to, to be able just to function in life. So it's really tough for me. It's very, very tough for me to get up and just blanket say that it's wrong. So here is how I address this. First off, pornography, viewing, and masturbation definitely tie into together, obviously. Um, the one turns you on and the other one finishes the job. I mean, that's just how it works. So women can do one without the other. Uh, typically, they're both together, but some women just struggle with masturbation and they don't struggle with pornography at all. So I remember in college when I was confessing, masturbation was the one thing I held back when I confessed. I don't, know, I don't understand what my reasoning was for that, but I remember they point blank asked me, do you struggle with masturbation? I said, oh, no. And the, the person counseling me was like, strange. Because usually they go together. So then I was like, now I don't know if I feel better about myself for telling her no. I'm like, now I feel weirder than I think I would have if I just told her. Um, so that ended up being a, a, that was actually a harder one to break out of because I hadn't told anybody. So I was kind of fighting that battle alone, taking the pornography away obviously helped that battle a lot. So here's how I handle masturbation. Here's how I talk about it. Um, when women in the Bible, there's no verse, right? There's, there's not a verse that talks about this, but there are verses that talk about lust. There are verses that talk about um, trusting God. There are verses that talk about surrendering our bodies and honoring our bodies and that our bodies are temples. So... If you are masturbating out of lust, the lust makes it wrong. And it, I know I have, to, I have to be so careful. And so I, I want you to obviously talk with your own family and figure this out for yourself. I'm not telling you what's okay and what's not. But the Bible does tell us not to, to lust, that lust is um, a sin. So if you are imagining sleeping with your boyfriend and that turns you on and you then masturbate because you're pretending to be with your boyfriend, we have a line that has been crossed. Um, if you are masturbating to pornography, you know, it's a line that has been crossed. I've talked to my married friends and there's such a, whew, it gets so difficult when you get into marriage because I don't, 
I don't want to say that it, it's not wrong to touch yourself, okay? And I'm just being real, and I'm sorry, um, but some women in marriage need to aid the process, okay? And so it's not like it's evil and wrong and dirty and yucky for you to know your body. And this is what the world's, this is what the world's support for masturbation is. They will say a woman needs to know her body. She needs to know how it works. She needs to know how it functions. She needs to understand what pleasure feels like so that way she can demand it of her, her partner. That's how they, that's their argument. Okay, she has a right to feel pleasure. She has a right to take that into her own control. So the problem with that is when you pleasure yourself, here's how I look at it. You are taking something. Okay. As a single woman, this is how I look at it. If my husband is not there, I am taking something from him that is his part of, I believe. And again, I'm, this is a virgin talking here. So part of that intimacy of sexuality is being able to bring pleasure to the other person. And I can think of nothing more demoralizing for my husband than for me to get frustrated with him because I have programmed my body to react a certain way to me. For me to get frustrated with him and say, you know, could you just stop already? I'll take care of this myself. I don't want to take that from him. And when I bring pleasure to myself, I am robbing him of a gift that is his. And I, I don't know, that's how I look at it. And that's how I never want to train my body. And even secular sex therapists will tell you this. Like, if you masturbate, you have to be careful not to do it the same way every time because you will train your body to respond a certain way to a certain stimuli. And if you are not careful, you will make it so your husband will never or your partner will never be able. You will always have to do it yourself. And so I never want to program my body to function that way without my husband. Um, that being said, what do we do when it's just like, you know, it's that time of the month, not the, that time of the month, the other time, like when you're ovulating and, you know, that's when we're made to want to make babies. So you're turned on by absolutely nothing. And, and you're like, this is really annoying. And it would be so easy. And I would be, and I would tell myself this too, when I was coming out, I have a really bad headache and I know how to make this headache go away. And so it was almost a, like a form of self-medication in a way and release. And there's, and it's totally supported. There's hormones that are released and, but you have to understand those hormones are meant to connect you to somebody. And if there's nobody there, you've just connected yourself to you. Like you just short circuited. Um, so that's kind of how I, I approach it. It just, it usurps what it was designed for. Yes, it's pleasurable. Yes, um, it can be completely benign. Girls can do it and not understand what they're doing. Girls can do it without lusting. Um, they can do it without watching pornography. They can do it without it being about sex. So I, it's, but for me, the way I approach it is that this sexuality is meant to be a need met by another person. It's the only need we have that is supposed to be met by another person. Um, I can feed myself. I can breathe myself. I can do a lot of other things. But my desire for sex was meant to connect me to somebody else. And when I satisfy that desire myself, I have just short-circuited that connection. And that's how I approach that. And I hope that's helpful and not confusing. It's such a, a hard 
topic to talk about, people get really upset and really frustrated, and I'm not judging, okay? Not at all. And that was a struggle I had before I got into pornography. It is a struggle I had after I got out of pornography. It is the longest struggle of my life. And it's just, it's not one I talk about because it's so, not it's not hard for me to talk about, but I just never know how to say it in a way that doesn't like offend half the people in the room. So know that I'm not saying that it's okay. Um, but if you came into that pattern and it's a comfort, some girls, it's a comfort for them. For them, it's like twirling their hair. I twirl my hair when I'm tired. I've been over here like, <laughs> I still do it when I'm 31. I've done it since I was four, right? I've always just twirled my hair. And some girls just do it because they're tired, they're stressed, they're bored, and that's just how they've learned to react. Um, and so my, to them, my thing would be like, that is a, a mechanism of your body that is good. Um, God designed us to enjoy sex. And so I completely agree with women knowing their bodies. I completely agree with girls knowing what their parts of their bodies are for. I, um, I completely agree that in marriage and consensual sex, like your husband should want to bring you pleasure and you shouldn't just be okay with him just constantly just doing what he wants and leaving you hanging. Um, so I, but I set it up like that. You just, when you do it yourself, you short circuit the God given connection that was supposed to make. You kind of fry the wires a bit and, and whether you intend it to be lustful or not, it can, it can cause, I think, issues further down the road. So that's how, that's how I tackle that one. Um, those are the three I have written out. Does anybody else have one that they're brave enough to ask in person? Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. And yeah, of course. So our church has um, had this conference, and then they've had a couple of seminars from men mm-hmm. about pornography. And I think it's really great that the church is bringing it to light and you know we're talking about it. But I guess my question is now, like, how do we go forward, um, like, in a relationship with our children or with our friends or with our husbands? who this is a struggle for, and it will be for a while probably, like how do we walk beside them, like talk to them or pray mm-hmm. for them or like think about it? Because I think it's easy to, you know, get worried or bogged down, like, oh, this is like really bad, like, but I'm glad we're talking about it now. Like how do we, how do we like come alongside them and think about it and pray for them and talk about it? Okay, like, so the question for those of you that can't hear, um, just like in a general overall, like what's the next step for like the caregivers? So like the people who would come alongside, whether they're wives, whether they're parents, whether you're an older woman who someone else has come to, um, who has said, help, this is a struggle that I have. I think it all goes back to, well, for, let me speak to wives super quick. I always feel horrible with, with wives who have husbands who struggle because I feel like they don't know what to do with me, you know, like me as a person, because I'm a woman who struggled. And they, women who are married to men who struggle, can be so heartbroken by that struggle and can feel like he loves them more than me. I'm not good enough. And then I walk in and they're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and then it kind of, that kind of fries them and they, they have a hard time understanding. So one of the things that's always gotten me is that wives, um, and I'm not discounting any pain in this room, that wives feel like, you know, he's choosing that over me. Um, and, and, then, and that can kind of flip around. And I think we saw this, like, with Josh and Anna Duggar. Like, if Anna had been 
better for Josh, he wouldn't have made the choices that he made. So then the wives can start blaming themselves, you know, because obviously if I had been good enough, if I had done enough, if I had been pretty enough, if I had lost the extra 10 pounds or whatever, if I didn't have stretch marks, if I hadn't had five kids, you know, the list. And for me, I just, I'm always, I guess, amazed by that response. And maybe it's like my INTJ, but, but I always think like my, whenever I watch pornography, it was never like picking it over somebody else. And I could totally see where guys get this whole, like, that's not it at all. And you'll have husbands who are like, no, 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 no. I love you. Are you kidding me? Like you're the most amazing thing in the world. And the, and the wife's like, how can you say that and be doing this? Because for him, he's not making, it's, they're not the same. Like he's not making that connection. And so it's, it's, it's hard. Um, so I, I guess I've always wanted to like, I never knew how to intermediate in that because I'm like, I am a woman and I understand this, this struggling aspect of it. The difference being men kind of struggle more for sexual reasons, whereas women kind of struggle more for emotional ones. So there's a tiny bit of difference there. But I can't understand where this is just a different world and you kind of just turn off and go to this one and then you turn back on and you go back to your wife. Like it's just, you know, um, but how do you move forward? How do you move forward in a supportive role? I think the first thing you need to do is you need to understand that this is a process. And I have so many girls who will write to me on the blog. I have a website. They will write to me there and they will say, my accountability partner got really frustrated and really angry with me because I kept coming to her every week telling her that I was still falling. And they told me, if you would just like let God into your life, this wouldn't be a problem. And I think we need to understand that there's an addictive process here. And this is not a let God into your life. That's part of it. But there is... There are habits that have to be broken. There are <coughs> patterns that have to be unearthed and changed. This is a process, and you have to be willing to walk that road. And it's going to be, at the beginning, it's going to be like, I don't feel like we're getting anywhere. Um, we are two steps forward and five steps backward. And, you know, you just, you're not trying hard enough. You're not, you know, if you just pray more, like, I'm so frustrated. I don't know what to do with you. And we're not willing to, to, to walk through that. Nobody wants that person free more than God does. Right. And if he has placed you in somebody's life to help them walk that journey, um, then understand that it's going to be long and it could be hard, but look at what God's love cost him for us. Like look at what he, he went through for us. And they say that it takes anywhere like three to five years to completely reform um, somebody who's struggling with this. And that's with like intensive help. Uh, just these are hardwired responses. These are coping mechanisms. And it's not just like you chose this. It is and stop choosing it. Like, that's what we want to say as accountability partners. Like, you know, you should not be coming to me with this. Like, why, why haven't you gone like one week without watching this? Fix it already. And it's, it's not a fix it already kind of, of thing. So really what I encourage, especially young women to do is just to talk about what you need. Um, women, we just interact with people in different ways, right? Our personalities are different. If I am a person who loves and enjoys quality time, which I am, then my accountability is best, I guess, supplemented or best taken place in an environment of quality time, right? Like, I need you to want to spend time with me because that's how I know that I'm still loved, 
if all I am is a project for you, if all I am is a checklist on your calendar, oh, I need to make sure I text so-and-so, I need to make sure I check in with so-and-so, if there's not a relationship there, if you're not showing me how to do life, then we can't have a good accountability. We, uh, you're not good for me. Um, one of the things I tell people is that to help somebody out, you don't have to have been there. Okay. If I come to Houston, I'm not in Houston. Where am I? If I come to Fort Worth, <laughs> sorry, I was in Houston last month. Um, if I come to Fort Worth and I get lost, you don't have to know where I am to be able to tell me how to get to where I need to go. I can say, you can say, find 30. Do you see signs for 30? You might know where I am. You might be able to help me more specifically, but you can say, get on 30 and head west. And we're exit whatever. I don't even know where I am. I know 30 is around here. So um, sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking like, oh, well, I didn't have experience with pornography. I've never had this problem. I can't help these people. And you can. Because the point is not that you know what they're going through. The point is that you know where they're trying to go. Right? So we want forward motion. And this is that whole taking thoughts captive thing. We can get so stuck with stopping pornography. And I was talking to somebody about this on the break. We can get so stuck in stopping this that we don't go anywhere. I can stay stopping this for the rest of my life. Like, and all I'll know is when I fall back into it. And so it'll feel like one step forward, two steps back. One step forward. I mean, I'm backwards, right? So I'm facing the other way. One step forward, two steps back. Out and back in. But is my only goal not to watch porn? No. Because when we get stuck on the stop watching porn, you have girls that change. And they go to self-harm. They go to eating disorders. They flip. Because there's, there might be an emotional undertone, and this was just their drug. And if you don't address the emotional undertone, if you don't get down in there and figure out, how do you feel Ask questions. How do you feel when you watch pornography? When you're watching it, not when you're done. How do you feel when you're watching it? How do you feel when you choose to watch it? What, what is the process that leads you there? So really wanting to get into that journey and figuring out where it's coming from. Because if you've got a girl who is going to this for emotional coping mechanisms, she might stop really quick because she's replaced it with something else. And you as an accountability partner are going to feel amazing. Like, you're going to feel like, I can write a book. She stopped in two weeks. Like, score. But all it is is she's just got a new drug. Right? She just, you said to stop this. You said this was bad. Okay, fine. So now she's cutting. I had girls, I used to teach high school math, and I had girls who were so broken. And everyone was all about behavior modification, right? Stop doing that. We want you to stop. We're not willing to change the, the fruit, right? Behavior is a fruit, okay? It, it's the end of the branch. And all we do sometimes is just go through and hack off the fruit, and we never change anything else. You can hack it off all you'd like. It's going to grow back. <laughs> and so we had these girls, and it was just like her parents were so concerned about how rebellious she was, and like she needed to change her behavior. And she was rebelling out of pain, right? She was angry, and 
when they told her to stop rebelling and stop, and they took away all of her outward rebellion, she would start heating up keys, car keys, till they were fire red. And she would dig them into her arms. And she would come into school with these horrendous burns, and she had felt nothing. Like, she would just be like, I don't know how this happened. And it, she wasn't lying to us. Like, she legitimately was just like, I have no idea how that happened. So when you are walking through, it's almost, you're not, we can get into this idea that we're supposed to be coming here and like escorting, right? Away. And that's not really what you're doing. You're more, you're more standing over here saying, you want to come over here? Let's go. Come on. And you're, you're calling them to something else. And you're always wanting to be a couple steps ahead of them. And you don't need to know where they've been. You just need to know where they need to go. Um, and especially for women, older women helping younger women, like if you model that, if you model a healthy marriage, if you model um, maybe even godly singleness, like whatever that looks like, you model that for them. And every time you're with them, it's not about, okay, well, how about the pornography? It's more about, okay, let's talk about how this works in my marriage. Or let's talk about, you know, just how I handle this in life. And just show them what it looks like to be a woman who loves God. Like that's really what we all, that's the goal for all of us. So does that help? Okay. Sorry, I rambled. Okay. Anybody else? No? Well, thank you guys so much for, for being here. Sorry, Susie, for throwing you under the bus. And uh, <laughs> all Cosmo, we got to watch it there, Susie. Um, thank you guys for being here and for staying up and for showing up. Um, and again, I'll be here tomorrow specifically for parents of kids any age. So don't feel like, oh, I only have two-year-olds. Um, you're more than welcome to come. I don't know where it is or when it is, but I'll be here. <laughs> oh, one more. Pause. Time. No, you're fine. Uh, I, I go to the other church, so I won't be here in the, the morning. The other church. Your, <laughs> the sister church. <laughs> the church. So the question is if my book that I've written, this one, um, talks about grooming. And the answer is no. Um, because I was not because I was not groomed necessarily, um, that's not a, a huge part of my story. And honestly, that really came to my attention within the last year. I worked, I spoke at an an exploitation conference, and when I was there speaking at the exploitation conference, it dawned on me that pornography is grooming. Like, it is itself grooming. Uh, and that's when I really started to study that process more. Um, and then seeing all of these videos of these, these kids who are being groomed, and there was just even one that was on the plane over here. There's a new game called Rocks Blocks or something like that. Yeah, Ro sorry, Roblox, that. So there was a dad who got on, he wanted to see what his kids are doing. Good job, dad. Okay, you want to know what your kids are doing, get in their apps, get in their games, figure out what they do. Um, but he got into this game. His children are like eight and five, I think. And benign, I don't, I don't understand it, but benign game, and he shows up at like the pool area of the game. I don't know if this is like Sims, like I don't know what I don't know what this is. But he shows up in the pool area, and this man in the game comes up to him and is like, hey, you want to come over to my house in the game? Like, it's like a role-playing game. And he asks the dad, how old are you? And he says, oh, I'm eight years old. So he's playing the part of his son. He's an eight-year-old boy. This, this character, they go into this character's house. character makes him lay down on the bed, and the character gets on top of him 
like he's having sex with him. And in the game, obviously, they, they can't, but he's doing those motions. And he's talking to this eight-year-old boy very inappropriately. And that's, that's like the first step of grooming is to figure out if this person is, is okay um, with your advances. So he was just amazed because this is a pedophile in this game who has just lured this this boy and the game is locked down so that it's moderated so that if you ask for an address it won't let it won't let that message go through won't you do that but it it's still exposing this child to that kind of even just through a game inappropriate touch inappropriate relationship and this person knowing full well that this is an eight-year-old boy and that this is inappropriate is in this game doing this so that's kind of um, those kinds of things are popping up, and that's when it was like, we have to talk about this whole process of grooming. But even if you go online and just search police um, police departments, there's whole intelligence agencies, really, that have um, entire units devoted to catching predators, and they have entire things on grooming and child abuse and things like that. So there's definitely resources out there for that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Well, again, thanks for, for coming, and thank you, yeah. Jessica, for coming. Um, I'm going to steal that real fast just so y'all can hear me. Um, like she said, she's going to be back here tomorrow morning for Sunday school hours, so that's 9 a.m., and I think it's in this room. I'm not sure. Is that right? Okay. Okay. So this room, uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Hope you come. That is for adults only, um, so just throw that out there, um, but men and women are welcome. So I'm going to pray real quick for Jessica and for all of us, and, um, and then we'll, we'll head out. So. Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for Jessica, and thank you for her bravery and her um, honesty with um, the reality of sin in her life. And I just pray that um, this would be a help and a um, realization to all of us here um, that this is very present in in our culture and in our society, and even in our church it can be. And um, I just thank you for our wonderfully made bodies, mm-hmm. and that they are such a um, beautiful gift from you, and are made to um, be in perfect union with our spouse, either someday or now. And um, I just thank you for our bodies. And I just pray that we would be aware of these attacks um, of sin on our bodies. Um, and I pray that you, um, your Holy Spirit would enter in and would guide us to, through, through this struggle um, if, if we struggle with it. And, um, and be ever-present um, in that. And I thank you for your grace um, and your gospel for, um, for, for those that can struggle with this um, awful sin, that your grace and your gospel is there for them. And um, I just pray that if anyone is struggling with this, that they would know that truth. And that they would turn to you and know that that grace is available for them. I pray for the rest of this evening that we would have safety going home. 
And I pray for tomorrow morning as Jessica comes back and speaks to us. And um, I pray all of this in 